everyone, Pamela Larg here, your host of the Energy Transitions podcast. If you enjoy listening to our bi-weekly podcast, make sure to hit the subscribe button and take a moment to leave a rating or review wherever you're listening. This will help us spread the message and connect with our community. Thanks again for listening to the Energy Transitions podcast from Inlet and Friends. Denmark's energy islands have been hailed as representing a new era in energy. At the forefront of innovation, these hubs will operate as green power plants at sea. The islands are expected to play a major role in phasing out of fossil fuel energy sources and allowing countries around the Baltic and North Seas to maximize the vast offshore wind potential in the region. To tell us more about these green energy marvels, I'm joined by Jacob Ostergaard, Professor and Head of Division at the Technical University of Denmark, Department of Wind and Energy Systems. Jacob is passionate about combining industry and academia to achieve practical innovation that drives the energy transition forward. Energy islands are the perfect example of this, and despite the technical challenges that need to be overcome, these green hubs hold great potential to redefine our future energy system. I'm Pamela Larg, and you're listening to the Energy Transitions Podcast. Jacob, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, we have a very interesting topic on the cards for us. And when I was preparing for this recording, I really got to grips with your passion for the collaboration between industry and academia. In other words, these large-scale experiments, but in real-world examples. And I feel like Energy Islands is the perfect marriage between these two. And it's quite an exciting space to be working in. Would you agree? Definitely. It's extremely exciting. And it's also true that I really appreciate to work uh, challenging technologies, but in real life context. So a lot of the research we're doing, we actually do it in collaboration with, uh, with industry and also applied on real stuff in the world, for instance, making uh, large-scale uh, experiments with uh, our energy uh, system together with our good partners. For those of us who perhaps don't work in the industry in the same detail, let's start mm. with a definition of an energy mm. island, if you could. Yes, an energy island, basically that is a cost-efficient way to harvest wind energy far from shore. And the concept consists of a hub, an island, where you have uh, wind parks around the island and where you can collect the wind from these wind farms and then send the energy to the countries nearby through big cables. So it's a way to enable uh, harvesting of wind far from shore if you imagine you should do it in the conventional way, build a single wind farm and build one cable, then you will have a lot of parallel cables going to shore. And in this way, we get a much more cost-efficient solution. And in the same time, we can use these connections to exchange energy between the countries when they're not utilized by the offshore wind farms. And that can help us balance the energy system where we have a lot of wind and solar. So when the wind is not blowing in one area, we can transport it from another. 
Thank you for explaining that and just setting the scene because clearly there's a reason why energy islands have come about, that there was a need for this innovation. Can you talk us through what was the need? Is it all about load balancing? Is it about how do we harness this wind power? Yeah, the starting point is actually to get the clean, green energy from the wind. And if we really should be successful with the green transition, we need a lot of green energy. We need to electrify a lot of our conventional transport, heating, so on. So we're going to use a lot of electricity for that. And for those areas where we can't electrify, we need to produce artificial green fuels through electrolyzers, which also requires a lot of electricity. So in the future, we'll need really a lot of green energy, green electricity. And of course, we can build wind turbines and the solar plants and so on on land, but we are restricted in land use. So we also need to utilize the very good wind resources we have offshore. And if we take, for instance, the North Sea, it has a potential of 180 gigawatt of wind power. And that is sufficient to actually supply most of Northern Europe with clean electricity, equivalent to the energy consumption of 180 million Europeans. So it's really massive potential we have offshore in the North Sea. Also, for instance, in the Baltic Sea, we have a potential of more than 90 gigawatt. And if Europe should succeed with its plan for green transition, we need to utilize these potentials. And that means we have to go far to shore and get the wind power. And then Energy Islands is the solution to do that. Am I correct in understanding that Denmark is really at the forefront of this? That there are two specific projects that have recently been given the green light? I think it's in the North Sea and the Baltic Sea. Can you give us a little bit more information about those? Yes, a couple of years ago, Danish parliament decided that Denmark should establish uh, two such energy islands, one in the Baltic Sea and one in the North Sea. The one in the Baltic Sea, we actually have a Danish island in the Baltic Sea called Bornholm. It's an existing island, 40,000 people are living there. So we're actually going to use a corner, small corner of that island as the hub of in total two gigawatt, or that was the original plan, two gigawatt of wind power, and it has now been extended to three gigawatt, and with cables going to Denmark and to Germany, at least as a starting point. In the North Sea, we don't have an island, so we're actually going to build one. So an artificial island will be built, which will be this hub where we collect the wind energy. And we'll have, in the first step, three gigawatt of wind capacity around the island. But it should be further extended after the first phase to 10 gigawatt, which is kind of what we consider as the optimal size of such an energy island. And just to compare Denmark today, we have a lot of wind power today in Denmark, but we really will scale up with this initiative. Today, we have 2.3 gigawatt of offshore wind installed. So it will really be a massive effort to establish these two islands. And the Bornholm Island will be the first that will be ready in 2030. 
we expect that to be in operation. And the North Sea Island with 3 gigawatt will follow two, three years after that. Jacob, these are massive undertakings. If I think about you telling us, okay, we're going to build an island in the ocean. And Mm. from a layman's perspective, I can only imagine the technical Mm. capabilities required to make this happen. Can you talk us through just some of what it takes to get this infrastructure out there and Mm. the various skills and capabilities required? Yeah, of course, it's when you hear something like this, it sounds massive, and it is really massive to host a capacity of three gigawatt. The island has to be the size of 18 soccer fields. And when we extend to 10 gigawatt, it will be more like 60 soccer fields if we also have electrolyzers and start to produce green hydrogen out there and so on. So it's really a huge construction project. But that is actually only a quite small part of this. The really big investment is in all the huge wind turbines that will be put up and also in the electric infrastructure. Actually, the island in itself is only a few percent of the total investment. So this energy infrastructure that will be established will be something we haven't seen before in size and in complexity. And that's where we scientists are very, very excited and really like to contribute the new ideas, both so we can make it cost efficient and so we can make it reliable and stable and we can ensure that a fault or something like that on the island or even a cyber attack or what you could imagine would turn Europe into black, right? Or give us a blackout in whole Europe. So of course, there's a lot of things where we can contribute with with new innovations that can help this to be both a cost-competitive and safe type of system. Is that what you are working on currently, Jacob, in terms of some of that testing and looking at how to make this as energy efficient and cost-effective as possible? Yes, this is part of our current research focus on exactly that. We believe uh, we have many ideas we like to pursue. So we're really trying to pick the lowest hanging fruits first. And we're currently working with three ideas that could cut the investment in a three gigawatt island with three billion euro. So we can save three billion euro with these three ideas. And they are quite simple, but very complex to actually develop and implement. So it's also quite some effort to actually do this. But it's, for instance, one of the ideas is that current wind turbines, they're connected to the grid on land with a lot of customers connected and so on. So the wind turbines have to fulfill a lot of electrical requirements to be connected to the grid. Future wind turbines for energy islands, they will be connected to the grid on the energy island, and then there will be large high voltage direct current connections transporting the energy from the island to the mainland. And these DC connections, direct current connections, they will kind of separate the two systems. So the system on the island will be a kind of isolated alternating current system where we don't need to fulfill all the requirements as we have to fulfill on land from the wind turbines. So we can potentially make some more simple wind turbines if we relax some of the requirements 
to their electrical performance in the grid. Instead, we just have to make sure that the connection points to the mainland, that these converters that are in these points fulfill the requirements. So we, by shifting requirements from the wind turbines, all the wind turbines have to fulfill to a few points where the energy island is connected to the main grid, we can actually make quite a substantial saving. At least we believe that we can do the backside of an envelope calculation, but we really have to develop the technology to prove that we can actually make this a reality and obtain this kind of saving. I think it's safe to say then that as you innovate and as you overcome these challenges, I mean, you're really pushing the industry forward, which is really exciting. And it really opens up so many opportunities for the sector. I mean, you really are on the cutting edge. Yeah, I think this will help the industry to really move forward. And of course, first of all, help with the green transition, but at the same time, develop the industry that is involved in this because they have to optimize their solutions for this new type of system. And the energy system on the island is really a very special power system because there's no large power plants, as we know from the conventional power system on land, to stabilize the system. So we need to control the system on the island in a completely new way. I used to compare it with an aeroplane. So if you consider our conventional power system of today as an old-fashioned propeller machine, and if you stop the motor on such one, okay, it will Probably you have to land it right because you lose your power, but you will actually keep it in the air and you will actually be managed to operate and perhaps even restart the engine and continue your flight. This will not be the case with the energy islands. They will lie on generators that are based on power electronics and these large connections to shore. They will be high voltage direct current converters that have to be controlled. Every millisecond you have to control them. So the grid on the island is more similar to a fighter jet, one of these stealth fighter jets with odd shapes. So if you shut down the engine on such a, a fighter jet, it will drop to the ground like a stone. So you really have to continuously control the system in, in a completely different way from what we're used to. So we really have to develop these kind of solutions and the in- industry have to adopt these type of solutions. And of course, that will push the current state of the art and hopefully also enable the industry to deploy these type of systems other places in the world. And you can also imagine the development of our current power system that we need to shut down all the large power plants. So we will, that also our normal current power system will in future look more like the power system of an energy island. And therefore, it's also a very good training place for some of the solutions that we need in our normal uh, main grid. So bottom line is we call the energy island as a mass mission for the energy system. It's really a challenging task, but we will definitely learn a lot that we can also use a lot of other places. Indeed, Jacob, it's almost like you're creating a blueprint for the future energy system. And ultimately, it's not going to stay as an island. It's going to grow and it's going to impact on other systems 
And it mm. will also require a landscape that fosters the development of such a system. And I think mm. that's where I'd like to focus on now. Mm. Is our energy system ready for this? And when it comes to the regulatory framework, when it comes to the various countries collaborating, mm. are we ready to receive this kind of infrastructure? Is our grid ready, for example? Yeah. I think at least the first step of the two Danish energy islands, the grid will be able to absorb the energy. We need to develop new solutions, but it will be definitely be possible. But of course, the, if we really should harvest the potentials of uh, offshore wind energy, basically we do not only need one energy island, we will need many islands covering the whole North Sea, the whole Baltic Sea and other places. So we will gradually actually develop a whole offshore grid connecting these hubs with cables and infrastructure in between. And we definitely don't have the regulatory framework for that. And also making solutions like the first Danish energy islands really also push to the current regulatory framework. And we will Hopefully also see that we can use this as also pushing the boundary for the regulation. So we are able to also in that area speed up the green or allow a speed up of the green transition. It seems like policymakers are always playing catch up. And in a way, with the green transition and the climate emergency, we don't really have time to play catch up. Do you think that perhaps we're going to start seeing innovation like energy islands really driving change and actually starting to speed up the process perhaps within the regulatory sphere? Yeah, now the regulatory area is not my personal research area, but, but I'm sure that there's a lot of attention on this. How can the regulatory framework be developed so we kind of release the energy and the forces that we have in the business because we have a lot of stakeholders that actually love to build these solutions, love to build wind energy, love to build solar farms and so on. And it's actually good business today that the lowest cost per kilowatt hour yeah, comes from wind and solar and they can manage on market terms today. So it's clear that the regulatory framework have to accommodate and support that development. So we also see that there are discussions going on, how we can better give frameworks to the stakeholders so they can actually just go ahead and build. But it is complicated because the infrastructure is a common system and we have to coordinate that and coordinate the development. So it is complicated and not just something you do from or change from one day to another, but I think that there's several initiatives going on and definitely the Energy Island could also help push the boundaries in this area. Indeed, and perhaps as Europe is really striving for energy independence, we see more of a collaborative effort and I think Energy Islands would perhaps encourage that, you yeah. know, cross-border collaboration and really trying to support other countries and ensure that where there are areas of higher demand, or lower demand, that the power can be shifted accordingly. So hopefully we can start to see that coming about. I did want to ask you specifically about your research at the moment. Yes, uh, yeah, I'm heading a division of the number of researchers here, and we cover, you could say, the whole chain from 
the big energy islands offshore from those big centralized energy infrastructures down to the last mile with the household and the electric vehicle and the solar panel on the roof and everything in between that connects this and make the system work. So we are involved in how to develop markets, how to develop the infrastructures, how to couple between electricity, heating, gas, and make a more integrated coupled energy system that is more efficient. The whole security of supply, reliability, how to make a more resilient system. And all these smart grid technologies where you use intelligent devices to allow the electric vehicle or the heat pump to operate in a more smart way. So when the wind power is available, you actually charge the car or even if there's an event in the energy system, you can use the car to borrow some power from the battery from the car and the car deliver that back to the grid for a brief period until things has recovered. And then we focus quite a lot on tools to analyze and understand this future energy system. And one of them is quantum computing, a new technology coming up, which has promised completely new ways to do computations and also do computations at a scale that has not been possible. So we have started to use the quantum computers that you have available today. They are very small and they can, can't compete with a regular uh, supercomputer, but we, we can develop the methods that can then be scaled up. When you have larger computers, we can just apply these methods on the large uh, quantum computers when they will be uh, ready. So we're, we're working on that uh, at the moment, and we actually, I think we are the first group in, in the world that actually managed to, uh, to use a quantum computer to calculate how the flows and the voltages are in a power system. Uh, and these methods, we will extend to a lot of the various analysis that you do when you design and operate such a complex infrastructure as, as, the, uh, as the power system. Yeah, so, so this is one of the areas, and we also do a lot within AI. Uh, that's another quite interesting area where the technology offers a lot of new opportunities. But AI has the drawback. It, it's like a black box. You, you train it with some data, and then you, you ask it, and then it delivers some results. But you're actually not certain how accurate are these results and can you trust them? Uh, and that is actually a problem when you have a power system. You need to have a reliability of 99.999 something percent because we like to have power available all the time. Uh, so how can we apply these type of methods like AI in a safety critical system as a power system? So we are working with, with new methods within trustworthy uh, AI, where you together with the reply from an AI algorithm actually can provide a guarantee about the output. And that's new, quite advanced the math behind that, that we then try to uh, to develop so we can apply it uh, in our field. You know, you've spoken so clearly about the the innovation side of it, and, and clearly there's a lot of very exciting work being done. What excites you most about working on these energy islands? What are you looking forward to seeing within the next, say, five to ten years? 
Oh, that's a difficult question. <laughs> there are so many things I look forward to. <laughs> but one thing I especially uh, uh, look forward to is the work we're doing with the Bornholm Energy Island. That will be the first Energy Island. And uh, this will be a place where we can do a lot of learnings. And we actually intend to use Bornholm also as a learning place and testing place for new Energy Island uh, solutions and new technologies related to Energy Islands. How how you can integrate production of green fuels with power to x or, or electrolysis. What is the role of storage uh, to balance this very challenging uh, system uh, you have on an energy island? Could you use some batteries to help or supercapacitors or other technologies? So the Bornholm Island, because it's the first and because it's a real existing island with all its infrastructure, it's easy accessible. It offers a lot of opportunity to actually do a lot of learnings and use it as a testing place. So we plan to make an, a digital twin of the Bornholm Energy Island so we can use that for developing and testing uh, new uh, methods before applying it in real life. And we plan to do a test site next to the transformer station where we can test some of the new technologies also related to with HVDC technology like uh, DC breakers and other technology that are not available today. And we also establish a residential hub at the Bornholm Island where we can uh, bring our students and our researchers to work with the companies that are building the energy island and the local companies that are operating it. And what we have done is we have established a foundation, Baltic Energy Island, which will uh, reach out to all stakeholders, uh, not only in Denmark, but internationally, that like to work together on uh, these new uh, solutions. We're in the process of establishing the old power plant in Rønne. That's the main capital or main city at Bornholm. It's a 100-year-old historic building to transform that into an innovation hub and meeting place and showroom for Energy Island technologies. And I really look forward to that. So that's perhaps my number one. <laughs> so we will be following the project and following your research as well. Uh, Jacob, any final thoughts before we conclude? I'm just happy to uh, participate and tell about what we're doing. It's always a pleasure to disseminate uh, what we're doing. So thank you for inviting me. Thank you for joining us. And thank you to our listeners for joining us. Until next time. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to this Energy Transitions podcast, brought to you by Enlit and Friends. Visit enlit.world for more episodes. See you next time.